Put on your big Hollywood sunglasses and light the torch, because it's cellar time. Welcome to the Crack Cellar. As the prophecy was once punched in the mouth. I'm Two-Spirit Penguin Daniel. And I have no teeth, crackhead Nichols. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about a new television show that also might not have teeth. Broadcaster Nichols, unfortunately for you, uh, this is like the equivalent of if a really bad Gambit television series came out. This, I'm assuming this is a similar experience for you with Moon Knight. Yeah. I just, you know, I didn't have any hope to be honest, but seeing that image, it just kind of, it just kind of goes to show you that all those old miserable people you had in your life when you were super young and innocent, and you were just like, how can people become that old and miserable? You understand them now, you know, it's like moments like this where you're just like, yeah, it gets way worse. It gets so much worse. In fact, it will always be worse than you think. (laughs) <laughs> make up whatever you want in your head and then you get like that in your face <laughs> that's a great like uh inspirational speech for like a high school movie at the end where like the guy gets up on the stage at the graduation ceremony is like don't worry kids it'll always get worse and then like it goes all downhill from here folks <laughs> it'll be horrifying like someday a kid 18 years younger than you who can't grow a beard is going to tell you that you take too long in the bathroom and you need to be more productive at your desk. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. I don't know how I I just, I got to calm down for a second. (laughs) I'm a pretty big moon Knight fan and there's many different costumes that they could have picked from some shittier than others. And like one in particular and a lot of Moon Knight fans will know this, Mr. Knight, which is a Marvel Now costume. Marvel Now was a short little period in Marvel Comics. I won't go into the details because it'll bore everyone, but nonetheless, there's two costumes that came out of that. A, a take on one of the more traditional Moon Knight costumes with the white cloak and everything, but he had like black on white patterned armor underneath it. And then there was Mr. Knight, the other persona during that time, which was just a full white white three-piece suit with a Moon Knight pullover mask. And it's super simple. It would have been way easy to pull off in a re- in a real show. And they just, like, maybe it might pop up. Who knows? They might use it as some, like, cameo or some Easter egg or something like that. But the fact that the first leaked image, and I'm a firm believer that these leaked images are the actual studio putting out feelers. I'm always like, because these people, like, I don't. I, I just refuse to believe there's that many leaks in the ship, and but they don't do anything about it. You know? who, who in their right mind would leak this? So, like, it looked horrible. The quality looked horrible, and I'm hearing rumors that they're shooting this show on iPhones. They're not even using real cameras to to film this television show. Supposedly, what? Yeah, that's terrible. That's that's, terrible. that's the rumor. I don't know if it's true. But, Why you gotta uh, do my boy Moon Knight like that? Like, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm a poor forty out for him. 
unbelievable. His new comic run is unre- is unbelievably good too. Like comics suck nowadays. Like a lot. Like a ninety eight percent of comics just blow nowadays. Like bad. Like an agenda shoved in your face so hard, like you forget why you even buy comics type of bad. But you know, there's a couple. Like I think it's X Men Legends or something. Something's coming. It's X Men something right now. That's by a Peter guy. He's doing really good. I haven't checked it out yet, but it's pretty good. And then there's Moon Knight's run that's going on too, which I read the first issue and it was pretty fucking dope. Hmm. So that's the good fact that he's get like, I, man, it just hurts me to see that image. It really hurts me because it's so bad. It's not based. It doesn't look like it's based on. It might be based on like early 2000s Moon Knight when he was like buffed out of his fucking mind. And like, I forget the artist that did it, but you know, he just the way he was drawn, it kind of looks like the like the way they're trying to do the pattern and the fabric on that leaked costume photo. But I don't know. It's just not, that's not it. That's not it, especially yeah. with Oscar Isaac because he's like a third of the size of that Moon Knight in that era. So <laughs> yeah, it's... it doesn't work. <laughs> It seems like Disney Plus is kind of doing like a TikTok model, like uh, Intel processors at this point with the Disney Plus releases. You know, we start with the big, the big one. You know, that fucking uh, Scarlet Witch TV show is pretty fucking cool. Like it wasn't the best thing I've ever seen, but it was refreshing. It was unique. It had a lot of good things going for it. Uh, then fucking Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes out, and it's just like a fucking turd. And then Loki comes out, and it go- it shoots kind of back up towards the uh, you know the Scarlet Witch direction, uh, the WandaVision direction, and now we're getting this Moon Knight series. And it seems like, again, we're going to get this sort of weird shift downward. Maybe they're just spacing them out like that. So like they don't want to they want to make sure two bad ones don't come out in a row. So they're like strategically placing them like that. That's what it feels like to me so far. Maybe. Moon Knight's so like the f- I don't know why they're even making a Moon Knight series. I was shocked when I heard about this. Honestly, I was like, "Are you kidding?" And that's, me? <laughs> and, that's and that's coming from a huge Moon Knight fan. He's like my he's like my favorite Marvel comic character. And I mean, he's the I fucking just, Batman of Marvel. You know? No, he's not. Shut your mouth. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, did I hit a nerve, broadcaster? <laughs> it just it just seems like why would you? It's the same thing with. Making a Suicide Squad, you know, we'll get to that later, but it's a great movie. Nonetheless, it just kind of perplexes your head. You're like, why is there a movie, a team up movie about all these villains, comic book villains, and we haven't even really seen the characters that they're the villain of, you know, it's just kind of this weird thing from a comic book perspective. You're just like, why? Like, we haven't even gotten a Green Lantern movie. We haven't got the second Superman yet. We haven't gotten Ben's Batman movie. We haven't got a Flash movie yet. But somehow Suicide Squad 2 is coming out. No, it's the Suicide Squad. I Uh, get it. It's a reboot. But nonetheless, it's like they've had time to make two Suicide Squad movies. And we haven't gotten anything of actual substance in the major big player club, you know? I think there's someone in power at DC that 
really likes the taste of Margaret Robbie's pussy. And uh, there seems to be I mean, a very direct It's not exactly a fine wine, you know. Like, I, I feel it. <laughs> uh, we can talk about that in the review, but I just feel like Margaret Robbie... It just seems it seems like she's being pushed in an, a way where you're just like something doesn't add up here. Like, why are we getting so many fucking Margaret Robbie fucking Harley Quinn movies when there is such a wealth of DC that has just not been touched yet? Oh, it's smart. I know exactly why. Because she's hot. She's in the she's in, and she's not afraid to show skin. And she's not afraid to be a little slutty. She likes to play the character Harley Quinn, which is, again, you know, what I just mentioned. And that's kind of rare nowadays. You won't find a lot of women that are that pretty, are that high caliber, that are willing to be real in that sense, you know, and not have, like, something tacked on, you know. Like, I want a female empowerment scene where me and this actress, you know, get at least two minutes of screen time and some character development. Like, you can tell Margot Robbie is not like that. You know, and I think DC knows they're lucky to have such a high caliber female image because females are in right now. So they're playing it. I mean, I would probably do the same thing. It's just a shame that that to them, that's making a second suicide squad and a birds of prey movie. (laughs) Fuck. It's just like it could have been done way better. Yeah. Way better. Well, uh, back to Moonlight. (laughs) Moonlight, yeah, yeah, we are getting moonlighted, aren't we? <laughs> so how, so how woke do you think this is gonna be? Because I woke feel like Moon Knight is Moon Knight is just a character that I feel like fits really well into like refurbishing as like a woke superhero. I just yeah, get he's a vibe. broken white man. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. He has multiple. He's a schizophrenic. He has multiple personalities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, he reminds me a, a lot of one of your friends. Uh, <laughs> I once carried the diamond rank in StarCraft 2. Uh, yeah, maybe. We won't say that, his name, but he does kind of remind me of that guy a little bit. Yeah, did you see? Oh, you don't read the comp. But anyways, there's a, a white guy named French. Well, he's he's a white French person named Frenchie. That's his nickname. And uh, he's like, you know, the Alfred to uh, Moon Knight. And uh, they turned him black, dude. <laughs> they turned him. Bl- the actor's black. Who's gonna play him in the series? He's a bald black man. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like you can't make this shit up. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, yeah, so I I don't really have hope for it after I heard that. I'm like, if you guys are like so willingly to get something that, I mean, I wouldn't call it crucial, but I would call it one of the prime elements to a Moon Knight comic. You know, Frenchie as I said, is like Alfred to Batman. You know, like you you just can't, you're going to have a show or a comic with him. He's going to show up one way or another, be mentioned one way or another. And to have the first series come out and you just, you race swap him. It's, it's like, he's not that important of a character. And it's just like, you have, you, you're just showing everybody that you're not really going to make a true to form show. You know, yeah. like you, you're just going to have a Moon Knight in name and you're just going to make everything else up. And the costume shows that, too. It's like, again, not based on pretty much any established costume, which there's a plethora of like there's a lot to work off of. And one of I mentioned earlier is super adaptable. And 
they just decided that's not the route they want to go. Apparently, mm. yeah. who knows? Could be could bite my tongue. That might be a leaked fake photo. Who knows? They might day one. I might get Mister Knight just on episode one, and I'll probably be a little schoolgirl, you know. And I'll be like, you know what? Oscar Isaac's the shit, dude. Mm. <laughs> yeah, good old Poe to Marin. Uh, you know, someday when I die, uh, my tombstone is going to say, you know, it's going to say rip rest in peace. And then right after it's going to say, and Oscar Isaac is not my apocalypse. <laughs> Motherfucker. I wish, I think he wishes that movie disappeared too. Yeah, I know. It's probably true, man. <laughs> Honestly, if I sat down with him at a bar, he'd just probably put his, his arm on my shoulder and just be like, mention that again. <laughs> I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> and i just every time you say that movie i just think of him walking out <laughs> when everyone else is standing around it really shows you how small he is and i was just like how did that make it into the movie like you guys can't do that <laughs> yeah like in the background mugsy bogues is walking by and he's like noticeably <laughs> taller than apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. It's uh, so bad. <laughs> yeah. Ivan Ooze looking motherfuckers. <laughs> now that's a role he could have played, Ivan Ooze. If they if they bring back Ivan Ooze, I'm all for Poe DeMarin playing him. All right. And honestly, they have a super super meta opportunity if they ever do a fucking other power other Power Ranger movie and uh Ivan Ooze comes back. Yeah, they need to hire fucking Oscar Isaac. Yeah, our boy Poe DeMarin's ready for that. He just was not ready for Apocalypse. Uh, hopefully he's ready for Moon Knight. Um, I'm not in love with the casting when I heard about it. I, I kind of yawned a little bit, but at least, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really like Poe DeMarin that much, man. <laughs> I don't like any of the roles that guy's played. I've seen a bunch of stuff with him, and I don't really like him in anything. Just trying think to I'm think a... of the movie I liked him in. It was like a long time ago. Was... I don't know about the guy, man. Like he's not a bad actor. He's just, I don't know. I just don't really like him. He's in a couple movies I like. I don't really mind him as Poe Dameron. I don't really blame Poe's him. Poe's his best role. Yeah. But... yeah, Poe's all right. It's just <laughs> obviously Star Wars had a lot going wrong with it. Yeah, they, none of it was his fault. But yeah, I don't know, man. This uh, this Moon Knight business are calling. They're saying it's like a CW style show. <laughs> that made, made my CW. skin crawl when I heard that. I'm just like, what? <laughs> Oscar Isaac is not doing a CW show. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I mean, I hope so. I, I hope this is good, but I don't know. I have a, I have a feeling that this is gonna be like this is the next Mandalorian, bro. You just wait. <laughs> this is Game of Thrones level hype. <laughs> Yeah, well, speaking of hype, broadcaster Nichols, there's a lot of hype in Japan right now for Star Wars Visions. I think it's the most hype Star Wars has right now, period. Fuck yeah, it is, dude, for sure. Uh, That being said, are you ready to get to our preview of Star Wars Visions? Sure. (laughs) What's that? You want more crack, seller? (laughs) <laughs> this is good. Join your lords on Twitter at the Crack Cellar and Facebook.com slash the Crack Cellar. Hey, you over there. 
Are you a straight-up Chad or a strong woman? Well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcasting app. Or, if you're a straight-up beta cuck, find us on YouTube with the rest of the Cloud Chasers. And we're back with our preview of Star Wars Visions, Broadcaster Nichols. It's an anthology. It's an anthology series. And it is, let's see, eight, nine episodes, nine episodes long. Every single episode is made by a different anime director, some of them famous, some of them not. Uh, what were your initial impressions when you looked at that teaser trailer? Well, they need to get that, uh, that not anime cartoon out of the bunch. They need to isolate that and quarantine it. Yeah. Uh, it makes the rest of them look kind of bad. Uh, when I first clicked on it, I saw the thumbnail and I saw that sweet samurai Jedi and I was like, oh, snap. But then yeah, I think you're talking about the, the eighth episode T0B1 by Abel Gongora, who I believe is a Spanish man of some sort. Looks like She-Ra. And I'm tired of that type of fucking putty, like mm-hmm. chubby cheek animation shit. And it has no place being in the halls of greatness with the other eight of those episodes look like. So, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. he has one of the lesser impressive re- resumes when I looked him up. <coughs> The only thing I noticed that I've ever heard of is Yokai Watch the Movie, which is a really shitty movie that uh, my daughter used to like. So I watched it a few times with her, not really paying attention, but like I've seen some of it and that makes not sense, impressive. Though. Not a, not that's great. That, that's that kitty chubby cheek type animation shit, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like it's a kid's anime, so it's not made for me. But even so, yeah. like, I mean, One Piece is kind of a kid's anime and I fucking love One Piece. And I just watched episode 9000 or whatever it's on now. And uh, yeah, Yokai watch not so much. <laughs> yeah. One Piece took that type of like rounded jawline animation, you know, our lack of jawline to begin with animation and made it their own, though. It's very... Um, they forged it into something unique. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, there is a very, like, default uh, style of, of cheap animation for kids. And it just, every time I see it, I'm just like, do you guys go to the same fucking school or something? I swear. Yeah, you don't even know, though. Like, if you watched kids stuff, because, like, my daughter watches all of like these shows that are made for little kids now on Netflix and all these shows use the exact same super cheap 3D animation that all looks the same and looks just super it looks like something that would have looked novelly cute in like the year 2002 but like now you're just like oh my god and they all use this animation it just must be super easy and cheap to make is what my guess is the version you're talking about with Yokai Watch is not nearly as bad as that. Like you have no idea how how deep the bad animation rabbit hole goes nowadays. I don't know. I watched that uh, that Berserk OVA. Well, that that's different. Bad. That's not actually yeah. no. The OVAs were awesome. The three episode OVAs were high budget. What the I was talking about the what was the CG like the CG scenes like that's only like forty it's like thirty to forty percent of the episode though like it wasn't a lot 
but i, I do like agree it's being a, you're being a cgi apologist because it's no it sucked and i didn't <laughs> like it either but it wasn't the whole anime at least like at least it wasn't like the whole thing like they would give you like these parts of the anime episode that were hand-drawn animated that were like oh shit like when fucking uh guts uh gets the fucking armor at the end of the last season that the most recent berserk anime they did they did that hand drawn and oh boy i get goosebumps thinking about it still that's how sick it was iconic shit it was uh <clears throat> i want you to tell the audience somehow you didn't know what the the fucking berserk armor was this whole time so he doesn't read the ma- the ma- the manga and somehow he's never been spoiled he never saw a t-shirt he nope. never saw a poster he never saw anything online of guts wearing this armor with the like the one of the most iconic images that's been shared around the internet of berserk for decade plus plus decades is <laughs> him holding the giant sword with the berserk armor fully on hunched down like a beast. It's like, and I, when you told me you just got to that and you're like, wait a minute, you never heard about that before. I was like, how did you just like dodge bullets your whole life and not seeing that? Yeah. It's one of the most iconic anime images of all time. Yeah. Well, that's why the Han Solo thing bugs me so much. Cause I'm usually so good at avoiding spoilers and I just got like hit, hit by a fucking rogue planet with that spoiler it still bothers me to this even though i don't even like the movie or the series of movies it comes from it still just bothers me at a base level it's like i was on bloomberg.com these fucking douchebags are like (laughs) by the way man this just in uh bloomberg.com exclusive han solo gets cucked in the end of solo the movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and apparently Darth Maul's a spider now. I don't know what happened. Uh, Broadcaster Nichols, uh, Star Wars Visions uh, is interesting because the canon will not apply. So this is like a sanctioned alternate universe that we're about to see made by famous anime directors. The canon will not be applied. Yeah, like they were really specific about it too. Like they want you to know, like, hey, this is is they're not gonna have problems because they said something that doesn't jive with, you know, episode three Revenge of the Sith in some way. Like I think that's like that's kind of one of those moments where someone's just like, No, the I'm keeping you away from me, not the other way around type of situation. <laughs> because I feel like them saying that, you everyone would be like Oh, well, I don't understand because this all looks really dope. But that's the point because it's going to be so cool that there's going to be a lot of outrage from those uh, special alphabet people. (laughs) And they're going to, that's their way of calming them down. They're like, don't worry, this isn't canon. This Mm -hmm. is just the Japanese people's ideas, okay? Mm -hmm. It's not racist at all, okay? It's just let them have their thing. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, we saw a woman that was feminine. You're not going to allow this. Oh, my God. (laughs) I would die. You know that's not going to happen. It probably already had a lot of full-length discussions about how the tit size can't go over a certain amount. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know, man. We'll see. I would die, dude. There's just a big titty fucking Jedi. The fucking Eno shows up. (laughs) (laughs) Just like. With a pink lightsaber and her tits. You know that will be. You know if that has Disney's name on it and that happens, that will be go down as one of the best 
upvoted on every single everything, every the whole, all of it <laughs> will be praised. Yeah, and Disney will have to handle that somehow. <laughs> they're like, but we are going to go ahead with our new uh, trilogy starring Elliot Page, right? <laughs> uh, Wrong. <laughs> so. So Kathleen, to... can you please come up to the to the 50th floor, please? <laughs> <laughs> so basically an anthology series, uh, for those that are not aware what that is, because they're pretty rare. There aren't too many. Uh, a great example is The Outer Limits or The Twilight Zone. Uh, they're shows that don't follow the same narrative path. They are totally disconnected. Uh, Final Fantasy is an anthology series, too. So they, yeah, what it yeah, means yeah, yeah. is just they don't follow each other. They have nothing to do with each well, other. Well, it really. used to be an anthology. Well, series. until the sequel started, yeah. But yeah. But anyway, the point is, is that none of these episodes are going to have anything to do with any other episode. Uh, each one is made by a totally different director. Some of these directors excite me. Uh, I'm going to go down the list here. Uh, first episode, The Duel. Made by Takanobu Mizuno. Now, a lot of people would think of this guy as a no-name. However, broadcaster Nichols. However. He did Loop on the Third. No, (laughs) much better than that. This man was the lead animation director of Mega Man X Command Mission. I shit you not. What? He designed Ale. He is the person that animated Ale, man. God, these guys need better PR. They're like, <laughs> what is going on here? This is front page news. <laughs> what? Most people are thinking, what the, what the fuck is Mega Man X Command Mission? It is a fucking amazing game that nobody knows about. Probably and one of the only good RPG, RPGs on the GameCube. Was it, it is one of the best <laughs> RPGs on the GameCube for sure. It's top three material at the very least. Uh... Next episode is Lop and Ocho, made by Yuki Igarashi. Uh, a lot of stuff I've never seen before. Uh, she does a lot of the newer Pokemons, the ones that I don't watch that are you know not as good. Um, the one thing that stood out, though, Helsing Ultimate. She was a lead animation designer on Helsing Ultimate. I believe that's the OVA, OVA series, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that art was really good. Too, it, was, it was amazing was. art. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited about that one too. Um, next one not as excited. It's called Tattooing Rhapsody, and as soon as I heard the title, I was like, "This is like a Cowboy Bebop episode." That's what this, this is going to be like. Cowboy Bebop meets Star Wars is what I was thinking. Made by Taku Kimura. I didn't recognize a single thing that they've done. It was a bunch of animes I've never heard of or watched. Um, the Twins, this is the one that I am most excited about. This is made by Hiroyuki Imashi, who is the creator of one of my favorite animes of all time, Gurren Lagann. Yeah, also, I noticed the animation immediately. Yeah, yeah, this is the very first part of that trailer. It showed it showed his version. Um so he looked, uh, one of the characters he drawn kind of looked like the kid from Gurren Lagann. Yeah, uh, Kill a Kill. Uh, Evangelion, Full Metal Alchemist. Like, this guy is a legend. And so I'm expecting this episode to be really good. Uh, next one is The Elder, which I this person's name is Masahiko Otsuko. 
And he or she, I'm not even sure what gender <laughs> this person is, um, maybe a they, uh, they're doing the Elder, and they also are like, they're like a shadow of Hiroyuki Imashi. Apparently, like, it's one of his, like, lieutenants, protégés. Oh, so he did Gurren Lagann, Kill a Kill, Evangelion as well. He's done almost all the same stuff that Imashi did. So I'm expecting this episode to be good, too, and i kind of kind of thinking that uh, Imashi might be a shadow director of the Elder as well. He might be involved in this, because it's, it's his protege, someone that I believe works very close with him. Next one, Village Bride, Hidoshi Haga. This one's a little bit uh, lesser name. Uh, they did a Hunter x Hunter movie called Phantom Rogue, and they did that weird Iron Man anime back in like the early 2010s. You remember when the, they did a bunch oh, of yeah. Marvel animes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did the Iron Man one. So that was pretty cool. I like the animation style, but other than that, not a huge fan of this person's work. Next one is Akakiri. Made by Yung Choi, and I never have not heard of a single thing they've done when I looked them up. Uh, and then the next one is T Zero B One, the one that you were re- referencing, I believe, that isn't really doesn't really look like an anime. That uh, they did the Yokai Watch movie. Uh, last is the Ninth Jedi, made by Kenji Kamiyama, and this one I'm also really excited about. So what actually got me into anime as a kid wasn't true anime but it was the shadow animes that came out in the 80s so i don't know if you know this but there were a bunch of kids american kids cartoons that came out in the 80s that were actually made by japanese anime studios but then like they'd send the footage to america and the americans would voice act it and do all the production at the end one of these is ghostbusters the original ghostbusters cartoon the other is the original ducktales cartoon Ah, Kenji Kamiyama made the DuckTales cartoon. He did the animation for it. Yes. And like those two uh, kids cartoons I grew up with are literally what indoctrinated me with loving the the Japanese anime art style that I that spiraled out of control as I got older. And so this is like this is like a fucking uh, my anime George uh... Lucas. Like, Kenji Kamiyama is, like, my anime George Lucas. So him doing a Star Wars, it being the final episode of the series, so season finale, he's doing it, and it's called and the it's Ninth, called the, ninth it's called Jedi. Ninth Jedi? Oh, Ninth Jedi. The Ninth Jedi, <laughs> and that's, like, a really epic name. It kind of makes it sound like there's going to be some serious shit that goes down in this episode. That's not canon. But it's not canon. And uh, Elliot Page is definitely not in the studio. <laughs> Elliot Page is definitely canon. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, what what are you thinking? Like any of those episodes uh, stand out? Like you have any thoughts on any of them specifically? <clears throat> I, I know no, I just I pulled mean, a bunch of shit out at you. Not really. I mean, there's not a lot to chew on. I mean, like the gear and log and art popped out to me almost immediately. Um, one of the characters, which I'm guessing is like the elder or something like that. I don't know what episode it was, but he looked like uh, uh, um, the main samurai from Samurai 7 anime mm-hmm. adaptation. He looked just like him, and the anime looked, the art looked just like it too. So that, po- that popped out to me. So other than that, I, I you know, just being an anthology was super unique. The last time I saw anything like that, I think Halo did something like this too. Halo had like a 
seven or eight episode little mini series where they were all just separate stories. All of them had different art styles, you know. Do you think it's possible we get a second season of this? Like, could it no. be that they do a second season with like a bunch of different anime directors? Or do you think this is a hundred? Yeah, I, I, the only way it happens is I see them banking off the success of this because it's definitely going to be a success just based on the energy I'm getting right now. This is this is what real fans want. <laughs> They're going to bank off of that and do a super woke volume two. Oh God, <laughs> that lure oh. lure everyone in like a spider trap to like, get money off of it a second time. <laughs> it's like a collection of like the most woke American directors. Like it starts off with like Kevin Smith right off the bat. Oh God, I need to be. <laughs> That guy needs to be fucking ran out of Hollywood. Yeah, then uh, then like next up, like Rob Reiner. Rob <laughs> <laughs> <Red> Reiner. <laughs> uh, all right, broadcaster Nichols. Uh, are you ready to get to our review of James Gunn's The Suicide Squad? Yes. No. Are you talking about Peacekeeper the movie? Peacekeeper. And we're back with our review of James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. And the creator of this movie describes it as the following. Supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Rev Prison join the super secret, super shady. Task Force X, as they are dropped off at the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Uh, Broadcaster Nichols, uh, pop quiz, before this movie, had you ever heard of Corto Maltese in your life? Yes. How? When? Where? A <laughs> uh, couple movie. well, movies, sorry, a couple comics, if, that, if that's what you're asking. Is this what, is that what the question was? No, is this, a, is this a real place in the real world, or is it made up for this? Oh, I I don't is it I don't know if it's real. I've never heard I, of this country in my life. If this is cuz like they say it's an island off the coast of Brazil or some shit. Like they're saying it's like a South American island. I've maybe. never heard of that shit ever. So like I'm wondering is this even real? I, I I'm thinking it's I not. I think there's a food product called Maltese or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe I'm just not worldly enough, you know. I like American football, not soccer. So maybe this is one it's of those. It's definitely yeah. It's definitely um uh, a place that shows up multiple times in comics, like it was in Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Mm. Um, it was, uh, I think, in JLA. Oh, I do yeah. remember it in Dark. Okay, it, I do remember it now. I forgot about was, that. It was also in Justice League America, I think, which I'm pretty dang sure that it's been a long time. But I remember, like, there was an old, like, uh, justice league comic or maybe it was a cartoon i forget it might have been an old animation but pretty much starro which is kind of like where this movie the, the pretty much the base concept of this movie happened in a justice league comic or, or animation where the whole justice league got taken over and besides batman and batman was like the only person in the world that wasn't enslaved you mean by the starfish and, monster yeah starro and uh um like it was the first comic or whatever that displayed how valuable Batman was and why he was like a member of the Justice League. <laughs> it was like that moment where everyone was like, "Oh, he just needs prep time." Blah blah blah. You know, it's that it's that that anecdotal story. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, huh. uh, 
I think the both those stories, the Frank Miller comic and that JLA comic, use that location. Interesting. Yeah, I might look it up later. I'm I'm really curious now if it's a real place or not because I swear I never learned about it in like school. Like I don't remember ever hearing about an island of Corto Maltese when I was you know doing geography and <laughs> yeah know, in middle school or whenever the fuck you learn about that shit. Uh. I do think that the pivot this movie made into comedy was very smart. Fuck because yeah, dude. the thing that sucked so much about fucking the first Suicide Squad is it wanted it was that movie wanted you to believe it was a Scorsese film. Like they were trying to be all serious and shit with it. Like yeah. it's well, like, no one no. wanted it too. Don't forget that. <laughs> no one asked for it, and it wasn't funny or any. You know, so it's yeah, it sucked. Yeah, and apparently David Iyer, the guy who made it, has like this. He's like, "Oh, that's not my movie. They cut it and they did all this shit to it. It's not the real movie." And if they made the Iyer cut, (laughs) yeah, if they let me do the Iyer cut, everyone would understand, you know. And I'm not sure if I buy that because from what I remember that movie, I don't think any cutting would have saved it. But uh, either way, they definitely let James Gunn make his version of a Suicide Squad movie. This had James Gunn written all over it in every scene sure. just about. <laughs> For sure. So I'm not Dude, seeing Polka any studio Dot. interference. Polka, who's your favorite character? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to go with King Shark. I fucking loved King Shark. He was definitely a crowd now, favorite. If you no want to if you want to exclude CG characters cuz he's not like a human. Well, I mean he was Stallone, he was a giant shark. There's a lot going on for that character. Yeah, I'll allow but it. like, dude, it, like it, the character was really well written. He stole the show in every scene he was in, and goddamn, I I'm a Sylvester Stallone fan. I've seen every single one of his movies. I love them. I love him, and I could not believe how good of a voice actor he is. Like, apparently, yeah. he's an amazing fucking voice actor. Well, he's just iconic, dude. Well, you just he has a you, strong voice. Well, the the glass half full way of looking at it is you're gonna see like oh sylvester stallone he's just gonna fucking do his normal sylvester stallone voice and just be rocky basically yeah <laughs> and no dude he does like a totally new voice i've never heard him do in this movie for king shark and it's amazing it's really good yeah i don't know how much of it is like modulated though now, that's a good point they could be doing some real technical magic to make it seem that good i don't know but either way I was shocked at how good his uh, voice acting performance was in this movie. It was a real highlight for me, honestly. I really liked how they killed off all the characters, pretty much all the characters that were in the previous one. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of them just get whacked on that first mission, which, like, Captain Boomerang just gets whacked. That was pretty funny. I, I I thought that was pretty funny, but, dude, one of the newest characters, Polka Dot Man or whatever his name was, that was fucking hilarious. Wait, like he'd be in the club and all the women would become his <laughs> yeah. mom. Yeah, that was great. I was, I was dying, dude, because he's like, <laughs> like he was just one of those characters you thought he was gonna die at any moment, and 
<laughs> he's just like at the very end, he actually becomes the hero his mom wants him to be. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just so funny. Oh my god. I, I love died. the casting they did for his mom too. She like just like the when you see her, she ev- evokes this weird feeling you have, like almost like the the feeling you got from the lunch lady in elementary school. Like you're just like, yeah, like uh, yeah, don't yeah. hurt me, don't poison me. Creep me, me out. Floppy yeah. <laughs> Joes are for lunch lady. Yeah, get away from me, lady. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, all the comedy parts of this movie were pretty good. Like I honestly think the worst part the worst parts of this movie are the few parts where they try and be serious. Those are the least yeah. uh, favorite parts for me are the ones. And where... all those, all those parts I'm pretty damn sure are setting up that HBO series. Oh, all the parts that got unnecessarily like weird and cringy. Mm-hmm. I feel like are the parts that are for John Cena's new show. Mm-hmm. And it's like setting up the background characters that are going to show up and all that. Oh, you so. mean like the post credit scene? <laughs> Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I was like, how do you recover from a throat shot? <laughs> uh, not only that, but didn't he like die in a tower that collapsed that was made of like, like it? Well, that's like I, I've seen tons of superhero shit where people survive that stuff. You yeah, know? I guess. But like it show it physically showed the bullet enter his throat. You know, like. As a human, okay. it also went through well, his bullet. Well, okay, so let's talk about this. I I don't know much about Peacemaker as a comic book character. What's his actual superpower? Does he have like Wolverine's super healing ability? I have no idea. Maybe I'm that's not, it. Maybe we're just. I'm not really that. into DC comics that much. Yeah, neither am I. That that's the weird thing for me is that I was Marvel all I know the way my stuff. entire life, and I have always been Marvel for everything except movies and, and TV and then DC for movies and TV, like growing up. Cause like the, the Batman movies were the shit when I was growing up. Uh, yeah. the Batman animated TV series was the shit yeah. when I was growing up. Like DC owned it back then. And now it's sort of flipping or it did flip. And now I feel like it's flipping again. Like we're, I think we're in for a really big pendulum shift right now. Broadcaster Nichols. Yeah. I mean, I know, don't get me wrong, I know, like, more than the average person about DC. It's just, compared to Marvel, I mean, it's nowhere near. It's just, I mean, if you look, yeah. looking to my left right now, just looking at the few comic books boxes I have left that I've retained in my life, I'd say four out of two, four out of six of those are almost all Marvel, probably. Yeah. So, so my uh, comic book reading experience is essentially a huge crate of comics that our dad bought me at a garage sale in like 1990 or maybe 91 but it was very like it was close to the 80s it was very early in the 90s and he just gave me this crate of comic books and that's it that's all the comics i ever had i never bought any more i never got any more but these crate it was actually two crates of comics there was a shit ton in there. Like there was probably like 300 comic books in these two crates. Like it was fucking packed, but it was like 95% Marvel, like almost all Marvel, very few DC. So I didn't, that's why all of my knowledge from back in those days is almost all Marvel because that's the only comic books I ever had. All my knowledge of DC, not all of it, but most of it comes from the movies. Yeah. 
with a few exceptions. I did go out like when I got into Batman, uh, I did go out and buy some uh, some Batman comics. So like the killing joke. Yeah, like stuff well, like, like I that. Said, I, I have DK one, two and three. Frank Miller's DK, Dark Knight. Yeah, Dark Knight's another one. Like so I, like Batman is one where I have read a lot of comics for Batman but not a whole lot else. Like with Marvel, man, I had some really weird out there comics for Marvel that to this day have never been produced. And I keep kind of waiting for like when they get really desperate to like bust some of this really weird. Well, they're making a moon Knight show. Well, that's (laughs) moon Knight's The first stepping stone to some of the shit I'm talking about, man. There's some really out there shit for Marvel. We already going to see a dazzler just just wait dude we're gonna see a pole dancing dazzler transgender in moon Knight. it's gonna be the after it's gonna God be the post credit scene on the final episode just wait <laughs> yeah they would do that in the post credits we're setting up a force it's gonna be brie larson like half naked just with pasties on her nipples and she's like yeah. i wish but yeah sorry. you Anyways, notice all carry those, on <laughs> you notice all those rumors of, like you know how like six months ago like everyone was talking like oh brie larson's gonna be in a star wars movie you notice all those rumors just fucking died and you haven't heard that shit in a long fucking time. Well, I think, again, I think, like, all those things are just feelers. Mm-hmm. And they were just testing the water to see if anyone liked Brie Larson and what the data they got back was. <laughs> the results are in. You are yeah. not the mother. Sorry. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> it's funny, too, because, like, I remember when I first in- was introduced to Catherine Heigl. I was like, man, this is the most unlikable hot blonde chick I've ever seen in my life. There's no way anyone could ever top her. <laughs> and then good old Captain Marvel shows up to take the crown. Who is that girl you just said? Catherine Heigl. She was huge in the late 90s and early 2000s. She was in uh, Grey's Anatomy. That's <clears throat> not what I watched her in. She was in a whole bunch of movies. She was in like a movie with Matthew McConaughey. Like She had this period of time where she was just in like shit tons of stuff. And she just came off as like a cunt. Like she just like you you could feel it in every single thing she was in. She just kind of came off as a cunt. And it's the exact same energy Brie Larson has. Like literally, like she sucked the energy out of her. I tamed Brie Larson. <laughs> no doubt. If we yeah. had a party and she was being super cunty, I'd be like, sorry guys, I can handle this. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned the you mentioned the opening. Uh, I thought the opening was the best part of this movie. What do you think? Like all the way up to the end where they declare the opening the distraction. It's like there's kind of a misdirect at that at the beginning of this movie, and at a certain point you get introduced to the real Suicide Squad. That's the second team that is the characters that exist through like eighty percent of the movie. And they're right. like, oh, no, don't worry about those explosions. over there. That was the distraction. So, like, everything <laughs> involving the b- very beginning of the movie up to that moment, I believe, is the best part of the movie. What do you think? Um, I mean, I mean, it was really well done. I mean, I get what you're saying. And I, w- I would I would agree in in the regard as far as, like, it being like the 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 veil being released moment at the end but best part i don't know anything with anything with john cena it was pretty much the best part of the movie <laughs> him betraying it pretty much hunting down the squad 
was probably the best part of the movie for me. <laughs> I didn't yeah. really see it coming, but I did see it coming at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the new Opie. <laughs> Fucking John Cena, man. I don't know, though. Like, I, I just feel like that intro part was amazing on multiple levels. First of all, we start with Michael Rooker. A man that I fucking adore. He's like, he's like a fucking Michael Ironside to me. Like he's that type of actor. Like he's like the side character actor that always just plays these amazing characters in everything I see him in. And it, the movie starts out. Who are you talking about? Him. Michael Rooker. Oh, gotcha. I for, I don't I don't know all the names of these like especially the ones at the beginning that all get offed. Um, but yeah. Michael Rooker played one of them. He looked like a wraith from Stargate Atlantis. He had like long white hair. Yeah, it was a uh, savant. He played savant. Yeah, I don't know who savant is, but I love Michael Rooker. And like when this movie starts, like it has this totally different vibe. And you think that you're watching a different movie for like the first 20 minutes of this movie. Like you're watching this thing and you they assemble the Suicide Squad led by Michael Rooker with his like group of shittier versions of the suicide squad <laughs> they fucking just get dropped off like trash on the beach like they don't even like land for them they're just like jump in the water get soaking wet we don't give a fuck about you like it is really interesting and they just get fucking betrayed by little bitch ass uh snl kid uh pete davidson <laughs> when we first saw he was in this movie i was worried i was like Pete Davidson is a piece of trash. He's a horrible actor. He's unlikable. He's stupid. He has the most punchable face in the world. He, okay, he, back and so go fuck, on. I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> he, he's a he's a motherfucker on all levels. And I was like, I don't want him in this movie. I don't want to see him ever. He's not funny. And funny enough, he wasn't funny the entire movie. Right? Like every scene he was in till the the moment he died, he was cringy. Like, as, remember the part in the plane? When they're talking about the fucking uh, weasel guy, there's like a weasel yeah, monster yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually boy. Pete, Pete Davidson's like, oh, is, is it a dog? Oh, is it a dog? And fucking uh, uh, Nate, Nathan Fillion's like, nah, bro, that's like some sort of, uh, you know, whatever. I'm about to die and this is a cameo, so this is the end of my line. And Pete Davidson's like, oh, no. And he like starts like cringing and like trying to like, back his back up to the plane walls like scared like michael myers is in front of him with a fucking giant butcher knife and this is one of the cringiest things i've ever seen in a superhero movie this little pete davidson scene where he's like pretending to be afraid of the little weasel guy but it all pays off pete davidson is the first motherfucker to die in this movie and he gets his fucking face shot off in a way that is just like, when you see it, you're just like, James Gunn, you had my back this whole time. I'm sorry I doubted you. <laughs> like, I'm sorry I doubted Like, first of all, he's the betrayer, right? So, like, he betrays the, the first team and gets them all killed. So, he's a little punk bitch. He was cast as a little punk bitch. So, it's perfect casting, right? That's who you want to cast. You want to cast Pete Davidson as this character. And then... Instead of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go off and you know fuck some Spanish girl on this island for the rest of my life. Fuck you guys later. Those fuckers just shoot his face off. 
in one of the more gory scenes in this entire movie. And that's another reason why I love this, this beginning because it is so gory, dude, this, this reminded me of a horror movie on the level of gore. We saw in this scene, this military encounter with the, the first decoy group, if you will. I've seen horror movies way less gory than this. And this is a fucking comic book movie, man. James Gunn don't fuck around, bro. <laughs> no, he doesn't. It's... Give that guy a license to do what he wants, he'll do it. And it, I think it really shows that DC has some serious balls right now. Like, they're like, yeah, sure, we're going to have Shazam, which is a great serviceable comic book movie that, you know, maybe more bent for kids, kid appropriate, blah, 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 whatever, but it's still good. But we're also going to have the Suicide Squad that is, like, we literally see fucking King Shark just eat people alive multiple times in very (laughs) graphic fashion. He ate a whole dude. Dude, I'm just like, (laughs) like, it's crazy that DC is allowing such a dichotomy in their movie space right now. They're like, we're not going to be, we're only this. We're like, we're going to have G rated and we're going to have hard R's. And this was a hard R for me. Like this literally was also Warner bros too, you know, right. Right. They they're used to making a huge range of movies like that. (laughs) Right. But like, if you, if you watched Aquaman or if you watched fucking Shazam, you you would think, Oh, DC is kind of pivoting into more kid friendly, family friendly comic book movies. What are you talking about you didn't you didn't see the bareback with uh amber heard in aquaman bareback scene extra, extra credits <laughs> uh <laughs> i think you have to pay extra for that broadcast nichols i don't think i uh maybe i have a premium account i'm not quite sure <laughs> i didn't get the only fans version of aquaman but now i'm curious so I might, I might check it out uh what do you think about harley quinn in this movie because as hot as margaret robbie is and how much I would like to bang her if possible. <laughs> if possible. <laughs> this, her I role in this movie felt tacked on as fuck. It felt like she wasn't a part of the original script and they came in and they're like, well, we got Margaret Robbie. Can you just like add some scenes for her? That's kind of what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you say that, it really stands out. I heard. And this was a shock to me because, and, and like someone had to like point it out, but I saw this clickbait headline that said something like Margot Robbie didn't realize she was killed off in Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League or whatever. And I was like, what? <laughs> I clicked on it and supposedly like the end credit scene that's in the uh, nightmare world, they talk about how Harley got killed off or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And so. Maybe like the future plans going forward with the whole universe, like she's not going to be used that much. So maybe they're slowly winding down on like a contractual obligation with her or something. Interesting. That could, that, that sounds right. Honestly, when you say that now that my brain's kind of turning on a little bit, I almost a hundred percent believe you with no proof. So. 
with no proof. <laughs> Best type of belief I, I like. <laughs> but yeah, I really liked uh, Michael Rooker in this. I liked I liked how like how hard and badass he was. And when he saw what was happening in front of him, he got like the most scared little kid look on his face and just started swimming out to the ocean, running away. Like I just <laughs> love that because everything I've ever seen Michael Rooker in, he's just this hard ass motherfucker that would never do that. <laughs> So seeing him do that was really funny. Walking Dead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then Nathan Fillion with his weird power of dismembering himself was like creepy and weird. And I'm just like. That was very weird. (laughs) But I'll tell you right now, when I was watching this, I knew nothing about this movie. I had no spoilers, so I didn't know anything that was about to happen. When I saw Nathan Fillion in the plane with them, I was like, these guys are all going to die. I said it to myself in my head and I was fucking right <laughs> because I'm just looking at Nathan Fillion. I'm like, no, there's no way you're a cameo. I know you're a cameo. You, there's no fucking way you're in this entire movie. So everyone in this plane's about to die. <laughs> yeah. Supposedly he plays like some really like prestigious character or something <laughs> like that. TK, TKB or what TKA or whatever his name is. Hmm. That was another weird, uh, weird part of the movie where they have that scene It's the same scene that I talked about with fucking uh, Pete Davidson, where he like they ask him what his name stands for. And he's just like, it stands for me. And then there's like your name letters stand for like that whole scene was really weird and kind of dumb and pointless. And I didn't really understand why they even had it. It's a comic book thing no one knows what the acronym stands for everyone's just always guessed yeah but it's like why like they didn't ask the obvious question like it's not an acronym like that's what like i'm like it's in here like okay he's being cute about it just be like is it an acronym or not that's what you need to ask but no one would ask it and it kind of bothered me and now that you say it's a comic book call out it makes more sense because i'm just like you're like I, this would have been the first scene I cut out of the movie. If you hand me this regular cut of this movie I just watched, scene one I cut out is this airplane scene with them like bullshitting with each other. I thought it was pointless. and But it did. It's weird, though, because it really developed the characters in a way that you think <laughs> that you think they're going to be more permanent, even though you <laughs> I knew they weren't going to be. But like the way that they do it, it's almost like a misdirect. Like the whole thing is like a misdirect within a misdirect. James Gunn, dude. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of James Gunn as a person, but the man makes quality entertainment. I have to give it Is to it? him. Like his Why don't you up like head. him? <laughs> was it the kids? Was it the kid joke? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- not really. It's more just like he's kind of a douche. I don't know. When, when well, you like listen to him in interviews and when you like read the shit he says, you're just kind of like, hey, he's kind of a douche. You know, I don't like him. It's not like Mel Brooks. I fucking love Mel Brooks. I wish Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks was my grandpa. You know what I mean? Like the man is a saint and I love everything he's ever done. And uh, I love all of his movies. He can be racist as fuck around me. <laughs> James Gunn is more like, I love all of his movies, but if he was related to me, I might have extra firepower under my bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he also just has the look. <laughs> he does have the look. He does. I feel bad for people because sometimes, you know, they probably aren't diddlers, but there's a look. <laughs> there yeah. definitely is a yeah, look. Probably and, not a diddler. <laughs> you know, and 
God willing, they're fighting that battle the rest of their life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anyways, Suicide Squad, a <laughs> great movie. James <laughs> Gunn, not a diddler, but He's, looks like <laughs> he might not be a diddler, but he is a dark motherfucker. And I think this movie, definitely. this movie, kind of really cements him as being a dark motherfucker. And I think there's no part of the movie that better illustrates that than the village massacre, which I I didn't see coming at all. Like, so like they get to this village that they think are terrorists that took, um, what's his name? Captive. Oh God. The guy who survived Captain Flag or Red. What what the fuck's that guy's name? Joel Kinnaman. What's his character's name? Rick Flag. Rick Flag. There we go. So, like, Rick Flagg is captured from the decoy team, and they think it's the enemy that has him. So they do this really cool, like, murder montage of this village where fucking uh, Ildris Elba and fucking John Cena are, like, competing, like, Sasuke and Naruto. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and like they get to the very end and, and like oh there he is the guy we came to the rescue and they're like oh no these are our allies uh wh- where's my daughter she was outside gathering uh chickpeas <laughs> and then john cena and he'll just look at each other and they're just like well <laughs> that was one of the darkest scenes I've seen in a long time, man, and I have to give it James Gunn credit. Like, that is some shit that's like Stephen King shit, where you look at it and you're like, I like this, but the person that came up with this, I would not want around me unless I had a weapon nearby. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and it's definitely one of those things, too, where uh, it's not. I don't think I've even ever seen anything like that in a comic book. It was dark as fuck, yeah. It's pretty dark. It's pretty dark for even comic book standards. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's there are a few things going for this movie that really gives it like an extra push for me. And that was one of them. Uh, as fucked up as it is, it's just like we have all these homogenized movies nowadays and like all this shit where you're just like, you see everything coming, everything's formulaic, and then, then you have something like this happen, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, can't help but appreciate it because yeah. it's refreshing. Yeah, uh, James Gunn's trying to tell us people to tell us something, people. All right, <laughs> that the Tree of Liberty has to be refreshed <laughs> with the blood of fire. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. What he is saying though is that killing people's fun in video games, and it turns out in movies too. We just seem to have forgotten it. And James Gunn's trying to bring it back. Okay. He's just trying to bring it back. <laughs> that he is. Uh, some really fucking horrific death scenes in this movie. Uh, this is not a kid's movie at all. This is a type of movie that if it came out in the 90s, they would have tried to rate it NC-17. Oh doubt. <laughs> like, no but doubt. now it's just a it's just an R-rated movie. But like when you watch it, you're like, well, yeah, but I'm old enough to remember this <laughs> this wouldn't have even been an R in my day. Like some of the shit this I've seen would... here, I'm like, damn. Yeah. This is one of those the first legitimate movies where I'm probably just like if I had kids, I probably wouldn't let if I had like kids like eight years old or whatever that normally I'd let them watch something like you know, like I'd watch them watch the hangover or something like that <laughs> well i mean after family watching, entertainment yeah after watching suicide squad i'm like 
Maybe when you're a little bit older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what'd you think about Ildris Elba's uh, Bruce Willis impersonation in this movie? <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought that was rock solid, to be honest. He, <laughs> you could tell he put a lot of hours. Of yes. <laughs> a lot of hours. It was on And honestly, mind. after seeing that, I wouldn't mind a race swap diehard. <laughs> If they, yes. reboot, if they rebooted the series with Idris Elba, oh, I'm down. Behind it, dude. Yeah. He's so behind it. <laughs> oh, man. These are the type of ideas that America needs right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think Idris Elba is just like so rich now. Like, if you have you ever looked at his IMDb? No, <laughs> he has been in so much shit in the last ten years. It is unbelievable how much work yeah. he's done. That guy's just got to be loaded with cash right now. So I feel like he's almost like on his like retirement tour right now. I feel like he's gonna start. Like we're gonna start, we're gonna see a movie like Mandy pretty soon that has Ultra Selva in it. I feel like that's <laughs> that's where we're headed. That sounds pretty dope too. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now uh, I have to say, I'm, I'm going to make a little declaration here. I think DC movies have now been consistently better than Marvel movies for several years now. What do you say to that? Marvel movies? DC movies compared to Marvel movies. I think for about three to yeah about three years give or take a little bit dc movies have been superior to marvel movies by and large yeah i'd say i think ever since joker came out i think it started before joker but i think joker kind of like was the the right hook from muhammad ali you know what i mean yeah and then when snyder cut came out it kind of started to it started to become the a picture, you know, like a picture started taking form. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, these guys, there's definitely people over there that know what the fuck they're doing. For sure. Uh, I think that we're now entering an era of DC dominance again. And that might be a controversial take because a lot of people are predicting that this new Batman movie with Robert Pattinson is going to be a flop. A lot of people are saying that. I don't know if this is like Marvel paying media companies to post this shit because some of it feels a little like eh, you got something personal against DC, like with the way you're talking. But that's the Maybe. popular opinion right now is that uh, DC is actually on the downcline, not the up. I don't believe yeah. that based on what I've seen. I don't know. It could always look that way in like a micro cosm because you know like with this that project alone with the robert pattinson batman that could be going poorly but say that does go successfully and all these ideas go successfully dc has really good potential to set up something way cooler than endgame could ever dream of with thanos dude they they have the rights to things like dr manhattan and the watchman and you know, like uh, a, a dark side and 
and the Dark Justice League and, and, and all kinds of stuff like that. Like, there's really, really cool stories that they could embrace. And on top of that, they could combine it all and make their own unique thing. Like, I could easily see them fixing, like, this convoluted, like, standalone movie complex that they're kind of dealing with right now by introducing Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Like, it would be super cool of them to do it, too, because mm-hmm. it happened in the comics recently, and it was probably the last cool thing DC Comics had going for itself. The story itself kind of became somewhat of a letdown, but nonetheless, the announcement that in like it became canon that Dr. Manhattan essentially was, like, some force in the multiverse in DC Comics. He wasn't just like the Watchmen just wasn't its own standalone story that DC Warner got a hold of later on. They actually integrated it into the comics and made it make sense. And, uh, you know, to anybody that doesn't read comics, essentially, Dr. Manhattan at the very end of the Watchmen, when Dr. Manhattan's like looking up into the sky and he does his little monologue or whatever, and he disappears, he's talking about, I'll go create my own universes or whatever those one of those universes was the dc universe mm-hmm. yeah. that's yeah, so like it'd be cool like they could get to that type of thing eventually and they could fix all this like they they have the potential even like in and i as i said like the robert pattinson movie could be a success and it could give them even more of a conundrum you know we're like well, well where do we go from here but they could still do it well, here's the thing about the Robert Pattinson Batman that's really striking a chord with me as I read all these media reports about how dire it is, how how everyone doesn't get along, and how everything's going so poorly. I heard those same types of stories coming out right before The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger. I don't know if you're too young to remember this or not, or if you were like not into it back then. Like The Dark Knight came out in, like, what, 2000. Six two thousand seven. When did that come out? It was a long fucking time ago. You were like probably fifteen when that came out, right? Yeah, so two thousand five or six, yeah, something like that. I was someone who actually like consumed the media, like the main, the M five M media, like the mainstream media, way more than I do now. Like back then, that was probably the prime for me when I consumed that type of media. And I remember all these stories coming out about how the Dark Knight had a troubled production and how like Heath Ledger was like, like people thought that he was off his rocker and that he was doing drugs and shit, which apparently that he was doing that. But like that everything was going really bad, right? Like it was just like the movie's a mess and all this shit and blah blah blah. Then it came out and it's literally the great like maybe not the greatest Batman movie of all time, but it's in the discussion for best Batman movie. The Dark Knight is one of the most amazing movies I've ever seen in my life. It is one of Christopher Nolan's best movies, and I love all of Christopher Nolan's movies. And I can still say that The Dark Knight's one of his best movies. Like, it is an amazing movie. So it gives me a little bit of pause when I look at this this uh, new Batman. Because I'm seeing the same types of stories coming out where they're talking about, oh, he's doing drugs. And people, you know, they're having sex on set. And the director doesn't like him. And they're having fights and shit. And I'm just like, man, this sounds very familiar. So I don't know. I, I, I don't really think the Robert Pattinson Batman is actually as in bad of a state as it is. I think this might be sort of uh, the same story where we might 
you know, Robert Pattinson's going to die of an overdose a, a week after this movie comes out. You know, that's what I'm saying, Thanks. really. <laughs> I think it's pretty wild that right now they're actually filming two separate movies with two separate Batmans. I know. And I'm way more, I'll, I'll be real honest right now. I'm way more excited for the Flash movie <laughs> than I am the Batman movie, which feels weird. But man, you know, I told you, you know, uh, Poe Dameron is not my apocalypse. Well, guess yeah, what? Not. Michael Keaton is my fucking Batman. So, no, oh, yeah, no um, doubt. <laughs> I am so psyched for this Flash movie only because Michael Keaton is in it. It's gonna be crazy seeing him put on the cowl. I know. I just hope he's he not does. like. I hope he's not only in it for like six seconds. You know what I mean? Like, I really yeah. hope they give him like a good solid fifteen minutes at least, right? Like, that'd I, be so fucking lame. I know, but you never know with these things. But, uh, so what do you think then? The post credit scene is definitely just them setting up John Cena's TV show. Is that what that is? No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a TV show. And then it's like HBO Max television show. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> there was even like a video that popped up where someone was like breaking down all the moments of like, the of the movie where that are going to be related to the new series. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a thing. <laughs> uh, you know, it could be good. It could be. I don't know. I think I just, if Idris Elba shows up for like to like <laughs> renew the the rivalry between them, he's like, "Sup, bitch!" A shot in the throat. <laughs> like that will be cool. That will yeah. make the series great. But yeah. I doubt Idris is showing up. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's funny. I just watched. Uh, I mean, I know it's your personal favorite movie of 2021, Fast Nine. And uh, John Cena was in that as well. Was he? <laughs> yeah, he was. He no no joke. He plays Torero's brother. He plays no, Vin he Diesel's does. fucking brother. And ah! they came up with this crazy backstory to explain it. And they actually cast like younger versions of both the characters and their dad. Like in like a quarter of the movie is like this like Talladega Knights backstory for them to explain why John Cena would like was never in the entire eight movies that came before it, but all of a sudden now he's Torero's brother. <laughs> and what the fuck? I'm going to say right now that John Cena, John Cena has a couple okay moments in fast nine, but for the most part, his acting was shit in that movie. And I think that might cloud me a little bit on the suicide squad because I went, when I'm watching this movie, I just watched Fast 9, so I'm, like, looking at him just like I looked at him in Fast 9. I'm just like, I don't like you. You suck. Even though he was saying funny shit a lot. Like, he had some really good comedic, like, comedic scenes in this movie. Most of them were Peacemaker. He was fucking hilarious in this movie. And he was way better actor in this movie than he was in Fast 9, which makes me wonder, like... Is he trying? He's just really good. He's really good. He knows he has this TV deal going on. Well, Well, John Cena is also really good at comedy. I mean, that's true. I guess that's his like. That's his like environment. Yeah, yeah. F nine. I imagine like 
it was pretty tight butthole on that set with he was, he was man it was weird it's hard to explain his performance in fast nine but it was like it was like he was trying to be a james bond villain but he's too much of a fucking goofball to do it so he just came off as weirdo. like right and direct and star <laughs> in those movies it has to be probably ego central you know oh yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, the credits for a fast, fast and furious movie look a lot like the credits for a dark eternal video game. It's one name like 18 times in a row. <laughs> Written by Vin Diesel, directed by Vin Diesel, casting director Vin Diesel, <laughs> executive producer Vin Diesel, <laughs> <laughs> key grip Vin Diesel. <laughs> Broadcaster Nichols, as you know, here in the Crack Cellar, we have an astonishingly well-crafted segment that is basically drooled over by all, called the Hit, the Miss, and the Whiff. You know, uh, Tim Dillon has sent me several emails asking if he can franchise out the segment, but I've said no. This is a Crack Cellar exclusive. And uh, on that exclusive system, Broadcaster Nichols, what would you say the hit of this movie is? The hit? I think it's Polka Dot, man, to be honest. <laughs> I thought him seeing Starro as his mom was <laughs> like over the top, dude. Like, that was great. I, I literally was crying and laughing because I guess I guess that was like every time he was on the screen, I was like, this guy is too consistently funny. Like it was so well crafted. <laughs> But he I don't was. know. That might it was it was just the best comedic part of the of the film for me, at least. But I think who really deserves it is probably John Cena. John Cena mm. definitely deserves it, I think. Him and Idris Elba's like rivalry, most of his scenes and his acting, like like you said earlier, the scene where they just whacked the whole village. <laughs> his entrance <laughs> in the jungle is fucking hilarious, dude. <laughs> yeah. He's just he just really he did a really good job. He did. Uh, that being said, Broadcaster Nichols, my hit is motherfucking King Shark. Yeah. King Shark, King Shark was, was fucking awesome. He, <laughs> every single line he uttered was like, it's like when, um, uh, God, uh, JFK, you know, John F. Kennedy. When you what see, a, who, when you who? see, a, when you see a John <laughs> F. Kennedy, uh, speech like when he's like warning about the you know the globalists or whatever like you see these speeches from jfk and you like kind of get goosebumps every time you hear him utter a word like he just has this weird aura that's what i get from king shark <laughs> <laughs> every time king shark said something i'm just like getting electrified you know what i mean like like uh like like gold dust from the wwf remember gold dust how could you forget? <laughs> <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, kid. <laughs> he just shows up in the WWF. He's like, my shtick is I'm going to be gay and I'm going to threaten guys with gay sex to get them to forfeit. <laughs> you can forget really... gold dust. Fun fact, a lot of people don't know. That's actually uh, Marshall Mathers' father. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, I just thought King Shark, he stole the show in every... When I think of, like, what a hit is in my head, I think of, like, what is the thing that every time it appeared, it stole the show? Like, what like what was the dominant force of this movie? And for me, it was King Shark. Every time he was in a scene doing anything, he was the focus for me. And, like, that scene early on where they... <laughs> the Ildris Elba wakes up and does his Bruce Willis impression and sees fucking king shark <laughs> about to eat the rat girl <laughs> and like that whole scene is just like fucking amazing like king shark's like literally eating her like a subway fucking sandwich and fucking Ildris Elba gets up and like does some like john claude van damme kick moves on his ass <laughs> and then like the fucking rat girl's like he'd never eat me he's my friend right and he's like uh king shark i'm no friend <laughs> I'm just like I'm just like it reminds me of the greatest <laughs> moments of several movies. You know, uh fucking Tropic Thunder comes to mind. <laughs> like I'm just like sitting here just laughing my ass off at this and, and she's just like, Well, what if I was your friend? <laughs> and King Shark's just like Yeah. I want you to be my friend. <laughs> it's just like this whole scene was just amazing. And then like he's like, "Okay, well I'm not going to eat my friends, but I'm going to eat everyone else." <laughs> it's like the rest of the movie is King Shark just eating random people in like the most graphic fashion possible. Every scene he's in, he's basically eating someone from there on out. Well, it was a coming of age tale for King Shark. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> that being said, Broadcaster Nichols there are hits and there are misses. Which one is more important? That's for the gods to decide. What is your miss? A miss. What is the miss? Probably having Pete Davidson in the movie at all. No, I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> That would have been my mi- no, actually, that would have been my whiff if it weren't for the way they killed him. Yeah, <laughs> I think the miss probably was Harley Quinn. Mm. I think, like, I when you said that like, she felt tacked on, it like actually kind of made me realize that she was like the worst part of the movie. And it's kind of funny because she was like the only good one of the only good parts of the first one. Yeah. It reminded me of Chris D'Elia being replaced in that fucking uh, Army of the Dead movie. <laughs> like when he just got tacked on. Yeah, it's, it's almost like they made the movie and they're like, "Well, wait a second. We need to, we need to get fucking the hot blonde chick in here. Uh let's just like film these scenes with El Presidente and fucking just like CG her into these other scenes. It felt weird, man. It really did. Yeah. I I think that just overall, like it didn't, it it didn't bring anything to the film. She didn't have like any pivotal roles in the film. There was no real big funny parts for her. She's hot. (laughs) I think she's great. She is kind of like the Marilyn Monroe of this generation. It's weird, but she kind of is. She is. Remember how Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Remember how she was just there and not like really like <laughs> had like a real role? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was I'm... great. <laughs> if we could just get a full frontal scene. 
I know. Like, that's the thing I really, I know, like, my toxic masculinity is going to come out for a few seconds here, so forgive me, but... We bring back nudity I in really, AAA movies. Like, yeah, let's bring it back. One of the things <laughs> I loved about horror movies when I was growing up as a kid was the fact that there were always titties, titties in them, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, dude. now, now it's like horror movies... Not only do they not have like good horror, but they, some of them just don't have titties either. And it's just like, man, what is this? What has happened? Like, could you imagine a 4K and it's just watching like that arterial blood splatter, cheesy arterial blood splatter <laughs> hit like a chick's tits, yeah. like in 4K? That's <laughs> I can't imagine like it. I want to see it, but right now I'm forced to imagine it. That's my point, Bradcaster Nichols. I, We've really lost our way when it comes to titties and movies. We, we have. Well, we just lost our way, period. <laughs> that being said, Broadcaster, all a bunch of pussies. <laughs> Broadcaster Nichols, my miss is going to be the ending of the movie. What? You didn't like the the art of the rat? <laughs> no, dude. Like so like this movie kind of ended like a Power Rangers movie a little bit. Like <laughs> it, it felt like it, I felt like fucking Saban himself was directing this final scene. Like, like so Rat Girl, I don't know who she is. I don't know if she's an important character, whatever. I didn't like her. She was kind of a forgettable character. Her whole shtick was like, I'm tired. She was, you know, she, she was like the Prince uh, Vespian from Spaceballs. That's what she was in this movie. And so she's like a D character at most for me watching this movie. And then for her to be the hero of the movie that takes down the final boss single-handedly the way that she does. And then she gets like, like this really like heartfelt CG back cut scene with her standing on Big Bend with her dad in like the seventies or eighties or whatever. That was it was just weird to me, man. I'm just like, bro, if you're going to if you're going to have Rat Girl be the hero and do all this shit you're showing me right now, you need to support this shit in the beginning of the movie because there was nothing to like really. There was no foundation to this ending. No foundation at all. It's just like the leader of the rats spreading her disease. Well, yeah. Well, I think that was like the the point is that everyone were terrible people and they all <laughs> they all lost. And Rat Girl got the happy ending. It's very James Gunn. The Rat Girl gets the happy ending. Maybe it is, man. But but for me, I just needed. For I just I don't know, man. I would have had it much more fun if like uh, Rita Repulsa showed up on the moon and said, "King Shark, use my power," and sent her lightning bolt down to the planet and made King Shark turn into a Megazord. And then King Shark did like a Power Rangers battle with Starro and like bit, bit his face off. That would have been a much better ending to me than the leader of the rats just sending a fucking legion of CG rats onto the the starfish monster and eating him alive or whatever. It's just like, okay, I guess <laughs> this type of movie, you don't really care that much about the ending. It's a comedy movie. And that's why I started this review by saying it was very smart for them to pivot into comedy. And this is kind of my point. If this wasn't a comedy movie, this ending would have had huge weight on my review of the movie, but because it's a comedy movie, the ending is kind of doesn't matter. Like, who gives a fuck about the ending? Like, uh, let's just look at a, a classic comedy like Anchorman with Will Ferrell. 
Who gives a fuck about the ending of Anchorman? Nobody. Doesn't fucking matter. And that's kind of what James Gunn benefits from here. I, it's just kind of a dumb at shitty ending. It doesn't matter, though, because it's a comedy movie. And the laughs you get in this movie are real. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. That being said, Broadcaster Nichols, there's always a whiff. What's yours? Oh, man. This one, I know why they didn't do it, but in the beginning, and I really appreciated them doing this, giving Bloodsport the only claim to fame he's ever have, putting a kryptonite bullet in Superman. Yeah. <laughs> they did mm-hmm. I really wish they would have illustrated that. Just Henry Cavill comes out of nowhere and just takes a kryptonite bullet in the shoulder. That would have been really ah! cool. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I really thought that would have been a really great moment to like just show the audience that Henry Cavill's still Superman, because supposedly like there's a big question mark back there and the fact that they just went out of their way to be like oh he put a bullet in superman it's like that's it like they need a scene to have to recap that you know like i thought that would have been really cool but i agree with you that would have been it was it was just kind of like a there was a there was a few scenes to be honest like that in the movie but it was still a great movie nonetheless like and I don't think it it lessened the movie at all. It's just the fact that they brought it up and they didn't. Just the the caliber of talent they brought to that movie, just kind of was like you could have got Henry Cavill to put the Superman suit on and take a kryptonite bullet. That would have been funny. <laughs> yeah, I, from from what I know about Henry Cavill, he's kind of just like a gamer. He's a huge nerd. Yeah, like he he he's in. For all this shit. So I agree with you. I think they could have got Henry Cavill. They probably just didn't want to pay him anything. And they're just afraid to ask him to take like no money to do it. So they just didn't bother asking him. That's my guess. It would have had to been a more thought out thing. Like it probably would have been a deal for another of a contract for other movies. You know, you got to appear in Suicide Squad. Yeah. (laughs) I really, really hope that DC smartens up. And asks Henry Cavill to come back as Superman. Because I don't know if you followed this much, but there's a huge back and forth right now with him as Superman. Like, one week they'll be like, he'll never be back as Superman. It's over. Then the next week they'll be like, oh, Henry Cavill's in talks to maybe reprise his role as Superman. And then the next week's like, nope, never, ever. It Michael B. Jordan happen. making a black Superman movie. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, then you get your Michael B. Jordan thing. I really hope they smarten up and bring him back because he is... Other than Christopher Reeves, he is the greatest Superman. Now, there haven't been too many. Uh, Dean Cain. <laughs> you know, Dean Cain, not a great I give our boy Cain some respect. <laughs> <laughs> there hasn't been too many Supermans, but I really believe that Henry Cavill was a great one. And I think it's dumb to sort of forsake him when he's in his prime. Like, Henry Cavill isn't going anywhere. Like, he could do Superman movies for the next 20 years. The guy is well, a Greek god. Let's not forget. Let's not forget that uh, Man of Steel is like the backbone in which all these movies are being supported. Yeah, <laughs> like for like the faith and enthusiasm. You know, yeah. it's like all of it's based on Man of Steel. You guys made that movie. Everyone was super high for it. Gave you the chance for all these other movies, and you're slowly been dwindling it away until <laughs> Suicide Squad <laughs> and Joker. Yeah. Well, Broadcaster Nichols, my whiff is, I want to just say Harley Quinn in general, but I'm going to be very specific with this. 
it is the Harley Quinn and El Presidente honeymoon montage. Now, this is the part of the movie where there is no words happening. There are no lines. It's playing really cheesy rom-com music with Harley Quinn and El Presidente, like doing various activities and having a great time and just like loving each other, like, like a CW show, (laughs) bringing it back to CW. This whole part of the movie, I was looking at him just like shaking my head, like what the fuck? This does not match anything in this movie previous and as i later found out in the future like it literally was did not belong in the movie i this is where my theory comes from with her being tacked on like this whole scene with el presidente just it felt like it was done way after the rest of the movie was made and they just like threw it in yeah and it, it was pretty much probably just a standalone little story they just pinned right onto the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like the way she kills El Presidente at the end of the honeymoon montage, it's like kind of funny because it's like, yeah, that's Harley Quinn. <laughs> One second you think you're going to fuck her and the next you have a bolt in your brain. <laughs> I mean, that's that's her character and it's great that they kind of stick to that. But it's like at the same time, her whole thing like where she just puts her hands up and just stands there and lets her arrest him and then she's like, then she like does her little fucking La Femme Nikita leg strangulation on her captors to escape. And then it shows like all like the bullet time, like flower blossom CG shit as she's escaping. Uh, no, it did not belong in the movie. It felt super out of place compared to the rest of the movie. I I think there is an executive producer that might, might have throat cancer from eating some pussy. That's all I'm saying. Black Michael Douglas. <laughs> Black Michael Douglas. <laughs> Hotep Michael Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys don't know, come town. It's a great fucking podcast. Go for it. Change your life. <laughs> Broadcaster Nichols. As you know, because you invented it, here on the Crackseller podcast, we use an official, patented Nick Cage rating system to judge all of our reviews. On that system, what do you rate the Suicide Squad? Oh, dude, this movie gets a face off, no doubt. <laughs> this is a solid movie, dude. They got Sylvester Stallone being a fucking giant CGI <laughs> shark with some profound emotional moments. You got John Cena with a big ass gun killing Asian people. <laughs> you got Idris Elba. Well, <laughs> I mean, Idris Elba's just there ah, being Idris Elba, you know? You got Idris Elba. <laughs> Dramatic pause. Well, <laughs> he's probably like the lowest bar in this movie, to be honest. But he still did great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But my favorite is just the handling of the comedy. Like James Gunn's a master, a mastermind with this shit. His handling of polka dot man and killing off like Captain Boomerang and shit like that. Yes, they're just like these moments where you're just like you really understand. Like it doesn't matter what you're given. You understand comedy. You know how to kill your idols, you know? You know how to take mm-hmm. them down, you know? You, yeah. you understand the concept of it. <laughs> yeah. And no I just doubt. thought the whole movie, edge to edge, was almost perfect. Like, you know, there's a couple things, you know, like Margot Robbie being tacked on with, like, Harley and stuff like that. And, you know, 
like I said earlier, you know, like there could be some more like scenes that were elaborated on instead of just being glanced over. But overall, I mean, this gets close to as perfect really gets for a comedy. You know, like, I don't think you really can ask for much more nowadays. It was a breath of fresh air for sure. I'm really, I've said this already, but I just want to really emphasize how happy I am that they embraced the comedy in this movie. It's funny you say that, too, because I bet Iyer doesn't like hearing that because he definitely tried to be a comedy in some parts. Yeah. Well, Broadcaster Nichols. Air, Iyer. (laughs) I am going to give this a con air. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Uh, it is probably the hardest I've laughed at a movie in a while. It is a good comedy movie. It has too much Cusack. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> there, I, I mean, when I look at, when I look at a fucking, uh, when I look at a face off, I look at it like perfection, right? Like, there's just nothing bad about the movie. Like, you go scene to scene all the way through. It's just like, there's nothing bad here. And uh, with this, there are a few there are a few scenes that were really bad. Not too many. To the movie's credit, they were very limited. But what what was there was there, and it's just kind of like uh, okay, like. And one thing we didn't really touch on as we talked about this movie is the quote unquote villain of the movie before you know who the villain is. Movie. So like the villain of the movie is Starro. Um, but before that, you kind of think the villain of the movie is this guy called Thinker. Who's like this weird alien brain guy with spikes in his head? Yeah, I this think guy, he's also part of the original storyline for Starro as well. That guy goes nowhere. Every it's scene fast. he's in, every scene he's in <laughs> is weird. Like he has this weird vibe around him. Like the scene where they apprehend him and like Jack Flag or whatever Rick Flag fucking gets him in the bar or whatever. It's just kind of like. These were like the worst parts of the movie. And then like you get to the end and they really his main use in this movie was a key code. That's like what it really (laughs) boils down to is they used him for a key code to get into the facility. But then when you get into the facility, they're like, well, he also raped the starfish alien multiple times. And you're just kind of like, well, (laughs) uh, I mean, I don't know if that's funny or not. I'm not sure what we're going for here. This is also one of those moments where you look at uh, James Gunn, you're like, yeah, you're not babysitting my kids. Ever. Get the fuck out of here, bro. No way. It's like this dude is just like, yeah, and then like when he tries to defend himself, he just like like a creepy uncle. I'm like, well, you know, uh, the starfish was asking for it. (laughs) And you're just like, what the fuck was the point of Thinker in this movie? You just look at it, you're just like, he was nothing. He probably had more scenes, but they're probably like, you're too creepy. (laughs) James Gunn was like, you're too creepy, bro. That might be it, because it really feels like he has an unearned role in this movie. And that's one of the few things in this movie I really had a problem with. It's just like, you should have been a better character. 
You should have been a better character. <laughs> that just belongs on a t-shirt. <laughs> and with that, we'll close out. God said I should have been a better character. <laughs> I, told him, I told him he should have been a better father. <laughs> Never understood me, God. <laughs>